Book three, chapter six of the Leopard Spots by Thomas Dixon, Jr. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Michelle Fry. Book three, the trial by fire. Chapter six, the black peril. The longer Gaston pondered over the tragic events of that lynching, the more sinister and terrible became its meaning, and the deeper he was plunged in melancholy. Beyond all doubt, within his own memory, since the Negroes under Legree's lead had drawn the color line in politics, the races had been drifting steadily apart. The gulf was now impassable. Such crimes as Dick had committed, and for which he had paid such an awful penalty, were unknown absolutely under slavery, and were unknown for two years after the war. Their first appearance was under Legree's regime. Now, scarcely a day passed in the South without the record of such an atrocity, swiftly followed by a lynching, and lynching thus had become a habit for all grave crimes. Since McLeod's triumph in the state, such crimes had increased with alarming rapidity. The encroachments of Negroes upon public offices had been slow but resistless. Now there were 950 Negro magistrates in the state, elected for no reason except the color of their skin feeling themselves entrenched behind state and federal power the insolence of a class of young negro men was becoming more and more intolerable what would happen to these fools when once they roused that thousand-legged thousand-eyed beast with its ten thousand teeth and nails he had looked into its face and he shuddered to recall the hour he knew that this power of racial fury of the anglo-saxon when aroused was resistless and that it would sweep its victims before its wrath like chafe before a whirlwind and then he thought of the day fast coming when culture and wealth would give the african the courage of conscious strength and he would answer that soul-piercing shriek of his kindred for help and that other thousand-legged beast now crouching in the shadows would meet thousand-legged beast around that beacon fire of a godless revenge more and more the impossible position of the negro in america came home to his mind he was fast being overwhelmed with the conviction that sooner or later we must squarely face the fact that two such races counting millions in numbers cannot live together under a democracy he recalled the fact that there were more negroes in the united states than inhabitants in mexico the third republic of the world amalgamation simply meant africanization the big nostrils flat nose massive jaw protruding lip and kinky hair will register their animal marks over the proudest intellect and the rarest beauty of any other race the rule that had no exception was that one drop of negro blood makes a negro what could be the outcome of it what was his duty as a citizen and a member of civilized society since the scenes through which he had passed with tom camp and that mob the question was insistent and personal it clouded his soul and weighed on him like the horrors of a nightmare again and again the fateful words the preacher had dinned into his ears since childhood pressed upon him you cannot build in a democracy a nation inside a nation of two antagonistic races the future american must be anglo-saxon or a mulatto his depression and brooding over the fearful events in which he had so recently taken part had tinged his life and all its hopes with sadness he had reflected this in his letters to sally worth without even mentioning the events his heart was full of sickening foreboding how could one love and be happy in a world haunted by such horrors 
he had begged her to hasten her hour of final decision he told her of his sense of loneliness and isolation and of his inexpressible need of her love and presence in his daily life her answer had only intensified his moody feelings she had written that her love grew stronger every day and his love more and more became necessary to her life and yet she could not cloud its future with the anger of her father and the broken heart of her mother by an elopement she feared such a shock would be fatal and all her life would be embittered by it they must wait she was using all her skill to win her father but as yet without success but she determined to win him and it would be so all this seemed so far away and shadowy to gaston's eager restless soul the letter had closed by saying she was preparing for another trip to boston to visit helen lowell and that she should be absent at least a month she asked that his next letter be addressed to boston somehow boston seemed just then out of the world on another planet it was so far away and its people and their life so unreal to his imagination but he sighed and turned resolutely to his work of preparation for an event in his life which he meant to make great in the history of the state it was the meeting of the democratic convention as yet nearly two years in the future he held a subordinate position in his party's councils but defeat and ruin had taken the conceit out of the old line leaders and he knew that his day was drawing near i'll take my place among the leaders and masters of men he told himself with quiet determination i will compel the general's respect and if i cannot win his consent i will take her without it end of book three chapter six